Well, good evening and uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Theology for You. Thank you guys for joining us. A very exciting uh, time right here. We've got our first weekender uh, next or this coming weekend since this uh, uh, happens on Mondays uh, for, you, for you all. So we are a, a week away. Uh, from our first weekender looking at the topic of union with Christ. It's uh, been um, fun to plan this and to write on it, and I'm uh, looking forward to doing this at uh, Grace Community Church, my church, and uh, hoping that it is a um, a time that we can uh, just learn about this and we can encourage um, one another I've been impressed lately. I've been reading uh, John Frame, uh, his book, The Doctrine of the Knowledge of God, and he talks about how theology is meant to serve the church, so the theologian is a servant of the church. So, uh, as counterintuitive as this sounds, um, I'm looking forward to next weekend just to be able to serve. Uh, and to serve in this capacity and i hope it blesses the people of grace community church which is uh, my church so it's extra special to be able to do it there so looking forward to the weekend or hope we have many more to come throughout the year working on a couple now and you can find out more about it that's theology the uh, com backslash weekender you can find all the information there uh, for that we love to come to your church and do it if you're a pastor if you're a, a member at a church uh Feel free to pass it along uh, to your pastor. We'd love to uh, love to be able to come and serve in that way. So, but on to the episode at hand. We're going to look at uh, the Bible uh, this time, which seems a little um, broad uh, to say the least. The Bible is a big, big book. But um, what I wanted to do, or what I want to do. In this episode, just talk a, a little bit about what what the Bible is, why the Bible is an, important for us. Um, when we talk about studying theology, uh, theology is based on the Bible. If we don't have um, the Bible, we really have no uh, confidence, no authority uh, in uh, doing the work of theology. And John Frame, I think, is helpful as usual on this point because he he uh, really says that the work of theology or he says theology is the application of the bible so that when you're doing theology um you are applying the bible to to life the work of theology is applying the bible to life so if we're going to do the work of theology if we're going to have a studied practice of knowing God, uh, then we need to know a little bit about the Bible and its importance mainly for our lives as Christians. And then secondarily, um, as we think about theology and, and doing theology, I'm going to be relying uh, pretty heavily on Wayne Grudem and his systematic theology. I've talked about him a lot as well. Um, I had to read his systematic theology at my time at Boyce College um, up at the Southern Baptist Seminary here in Louisville, Kentucky. So um, I've been influenced by it a lot, and I've uh, decided to, to read through it again uh, this year. I know a lot of you are like, man, you're crazy. Why would you do that? But it's it's really good. If you don't have a copy, then 
I would urge you uh, to do that. So first, let's look look at what is what the Bible is. Um, just a short uh, definition, if you will. And then we're going to look at uh, four characteristics uh, that Wayne Grudem gives um, of Scripture. And within those characteristics, we're also going to look at the inerrancy of Scripture. And we've got a listener question on the inerrancy of Scripture. So we will answer that question um, when we have time. And uh, you can always ask a question. We've got a, a tab on our website just says keep the conversation going. And uh, we, we love getting answers or questions from listeners we got a new new one today so pretty excited about that so what the bible is and then really as we answer what the bible is we're going to see why it's important so let me give you the four characteristics of scripture and then we'll go through each in turn and we will go go from there so the four characteristics that wayne grudem gives in his systematic theology are the authority of scripture the clarity of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture, and the sufficiency of Scripture. So the clarity, uh, the authority, excuse me, the authority, clarity, uh, necessity, and sufficiency. So let's start with the authority of Scripture. And he defines the authority of Scripture as, um, he writes, the authority of Scripture means that all the words in Scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or to disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. So you could also say that the flip side is true as well, that the authority of Scripture means that all the words in Scripture are God's words in such a way that to believe or obey any word of Scripture is to believe or obey God. So the Bible claims this authority for itself. As you read the Old Testament, you'll see quite often, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. The Bible is uh, God's word. The Bible is God's revelation of himself. It is God's written word um, about himself. So we start at the very beginning of the Bible. Um, in Deuteronomy, this is Moses writing, Deuteronomy 18, 18 through 20, Moses uh, records for us i will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and this is god talking and i will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that i command and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name i myself will require it of him so scripture carries with it the very authority of god Scripture carries with it the very authority of God so that when you read Scripture, it is God speaking to you. I think it was Stephen Lawson. You'll see this meme going around um, Facebook every now and then, and it's of Stephen Lawson. He's a, a, a preacher, and he says, if you want to hear God speak audibly, open up Scripture and read it out loud. Well, what he's saying is that scripture is God's word. So if you want to know God's will, if you want to know what God is uh, uh, like, what God does, what his works are, uh, then you want to go uh, to scripture. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out by God. So all scripture literally has God as its source. All scripture has God as its source. So God's word bears the very authority of God. And honestly, unless you read God's word and give yourself to God's word and, and pray and come at it humbly, you'll never you won't you won't see this, but the more that you read God's word and you come to it, you will see that it bears God's authority, that the words that you are reading on the page, they are God's words. So the authority of scripture means that all the words in scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. And that's, that's so important. I, really let that hit you that to to disbelieve or disobey any 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 word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey god to disbelieve or disobey god so then this book that we call the bible it's not just a guide, although it is that. Uh, it's not just a bunch of um, good advice, although it does contain that. It is the word of God. Therefore, it bears his authority. It has his authority. Scripture is authoritative because God is authoritative. So when we treat scripture in a flippant manner we are really revealing that we treat God in a flippant manner because we don't care about God's authority because we don't care about the authority of scripture so that's just weighty so to, to disbelieve or disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God please please do not take the Bible lightly Give yourself to it. Read it. Study it. Because through that work, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we know God and we can obey God and we can give him the respect and the honor and the glory that he is due. So that's the authority of Scripture. Under authority, we're going to deal with inerrancy. Inerrancy. Um, inerrancy is a, a bit of a hot topic, and it has been for a while, and it probably always uh, will be. So, what do, what do we mean when we say that the Bible is inerrant? Um Grudem offers a pretty simple definition. He says that the Bible always tells the truth 
and that it always tells the truth concerning everything it talks about. So anything that the Bible talks about is true. Uh, it is without error. Uh, Psalm twelve six says the words of the Lord, um, the words of the Lord that are pure, silver refined in a furnace on the ground purified seven times. And Grudem says this indicates the absolute reliability and purity of Scripture. And Proverbs says every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him so there's really three um, views you can take on this the one is that the bible is not inerrant um, it, it contains it contains errors um, so therefore we shouldn't should not trust it another view is that uh, the bible is inerrant um, for faith and practice so i wouldn't say that the bible as a whole is inerrant but it would say that when the bible talks about um faith and practice then the bible is inerrant but there might be some places where the bible has um um where it has some maybe some dating errors stuff like that um maybe it misspelled a king's name wrong um so then there's that that view, and then there is the view that Grudem talks about that um, everything that the Bible says, it always tells the truth, and it always tells the truth concerning everything that it talks about. So it's not just faith or practice; um, it 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 is concerning concerning everything. So I think that the view that Grudem is putting forth is the biblical one. Um, I don't think that the Bible, when you read it, it, it makes these qualifications that it's only true when it comes to faith and practice, and then it might be um, an error in other ways. I, I just don't, I don't see that. You don't get that. Uh, sense that feeling if you will from scripture as you uh, read it and then it, if you if you say completely that the bible is not inerrant then i'm not sure that we can trust god because if the bible is god's revelation of himself um and it is plagued with error but he's a god of truth he's a perfect god he's a holy god which is what the bible reveals about god then um why why trust why trust the bible first off and second i'm not sure we could trust trust god if the bible was an errant because it, if he says he's a god of truth but he's revealed himself in an errant manner then um it just doesn't hold water then if you go to the other view that the bible is only an errant when it talks about faith and practice well who who determines when the bible is talking about faith and practice you think we've got disagreement on the bible now if we all held to that view of inerrancy imagine where the disagreement would go um then if uh you know do we do we set up a a, a worldwide board uh to determine where the bible talks about uh, faith and practice so all scripture 
is inerrant, if all scripture is breathed out by God, if all scripture has God as its source, then all scripture is inerrant. And we come to our listener question. I've answered some of it already, I think. Um, But the question is, is it possible for the biblical autographs uh, to contain small errors, for example, regarding dates, numbers, etc., while still remaining inerrant and infallible? And then the second part of the question is, could you explain inerrancy and why you think it's important? So the first part of the question, is it possible that the biblical autographs contain small errors, uh, for example, regarding dates, numbers, etc., while still remaining inerrant? So the biblical autographs... um, are talking about the ori- um, the original autographs, which would have been the the first uh, physical copy of Scripture. Is it possible that the biblical autographs contain small errors and still remain inerrant? I, once again, I would say I don't I don't think so. And if you read um, Grudem, he's pretty convincing on this, and he also kind of shows that. With the work of textual criticism, which is not where people criticize the Bible, although that happens a lot, um, but the academic discipline of textual criticism is putting together these these manuscripts so that we have the, the best manuscript um, of the Bible in the original languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, um, so that we can have accurate and faithful uh, translations in, into different languages. And Grudem points out that uh, with the reconstruction that we have, we basically have uh, 95% of what would, would be original. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's unheard of, uh, even for other uh, ancient documents, even like uh, from Homer uh, as an example. So I don't think it's possible that the biblical autographs can contain small errors and still remain inerrant if we're using Wayne Grudem's different definition which is that the bible always speaks truth about everything that it it talks about um and there's uh, i just don't know how you can trust it that I, i keep going back to trust how can you trust the bible if it can't get something as um what might seem insignificant as a date right um i don't know how you can do that so I don't think it's possible that the biblical autographs, the original autographs, the original manuscripts uh, contain small errors and still remain inerrant. I think they have to be um, error-free um, as far as that goes. Now, you can qualify some that there might be some grammatical errors, um, but theres I don't think you can say that it have wrong dates and wrong numbers. And still, still be inerrant. So that is inerrancy. Um, hope that answers uh, the question. We can do a little more on inerrancy in another episode, maybe. But that's kind of where we are. Just think about that, though. The Bible is without error, and it, it is without error because it is God's revelation of Himself, so that we might know Him. Um, the God we see in the Bible, the God we read about in the Bible, um, just doesn't make sense that he would reveal himself in an errant way when he's perfect.
you may not like that, and that's okay. But that's um, if you've got a better argument for me, send it on, and we'll interact uh, that way. So we've got authority, and under authority, we've looked at inerrancy. Next, we're going to look at the the clarity of scripture, uh, the clarity of scripture, and this is probably pretty uh, self-explanatory. But we're going to go we're going to go at it. The clarity of scripture. Uh, Grudem's definition is the clarity of scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who will read it. This is very important. Seeking God's help and being will, willing to follow it. Seeking God's help and being willing to follow it. So the Bible is able to be understood. Once again, if God were to reveal himself so that he might be known, it would make sense he would reveal himself in a way that is clear. In a way that is clear. I am not... I, you, you cannot honestly say that God is love if he revealed himself in a way uh, so that he could not be understood. That would not be loving. It would not be loving. The problem we have is not an intellectual ability to understand what God has written. It is a moral ability. It is a moral ability. We morally were born sinners. Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. David in Psalm 51 says, in sin uh, did my mother conceive me that's not talking about um, anything around uh, David's mom it's David saying I was um, born a sinner and um, I always will be a sinner so the the problem we have is it's a moral problem Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 14 the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned so the natural man the man outside of Christ, the man who is not a Christian, cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. The things of the Spirit of God, one of them is Scripture. He is the author of Scripture. So the natural man, without help from the Holy Spirit, cannot understand Scripture. So, for the Christian, this is good news because we have the Holy Spirit. And so it's not an intellectual issue that we can understand Scripture, but rather it's a, it's a moral one. Wayne Grudem has a great paragraph in this chapter. I want to read pretty much the whole paragraph for you. Just I hope it encourages you. I took a note uh, in it after it and then just said, Amen, praise God for that. So let me tell you what I'm amening and praising God for. The character of Scripture, as is Grudem, is said to be such that even the simple can understand it rightly and be made wise by it. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalm 19.7 Again we read, The unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Psalm 119, uh, verse 130 Here the simple person is not merely one who lacks intellectual ability, but one who lacks sound judgment, who is prone to making mistakes, and who is easily led astray god's word is so understandable so clear that even this kind of person is made wise by it 
This should be a great encouragement to all believers. No believer should think of himself or herself too foolish to read scripture and understand it sufficiently to be made wise by it. So, Christian, if you're having trouble understanding scripture, if you're having trouble reading scripture, um, I would challenge you and encourage you that the next time that you sit down to read the Bible, just take a moment and pause and just say, just pray. And you can pray the from the psalm, Psalm 119, 118. I pray this often and, and just say, Father, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. And then I often pray as well, Holy Spirit, give me a sharp mind to understand and a warm heart to respond. Um, that is a prayer that is going to be answered. The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture, and if He dwells within you and you ask Him for His help so that you can understand Scripture, He will answer that prayer. You will understand it. You will understand it. And praise God that He has made that promise, and praise God that He will will answer that. So Scripture is clear. We just we need to give ourselves to it and be come to it humbly seeking God's help as we read scripture we need to seek God's help apart from God's help scripture will seem clear at times when we try to rely on our own intellect we we will get uh, confused every now and then because we're relying and trying um, to understand it in our own strength Jesus said in John fifteen five that apart from me you can do nothing um, including understand uh, scripture. So we need we need God's help, and He will help us uh, when we pray and we ask Him for help. So the Bible, uh, the Scripture has authority. It it's clear. It has clarity. And third, we see the necessity of Scripture. The necessity of Scripture. So Grudem. Um, says that the necessity of scripture means that the Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel, for maintaining spiritual life, and for knowing God's will. But it is not necessary for knowing that God exists or for knowing something about God's character and moral laws. So let's just kind of walk through that definition uh, together. He says first that the Bible is necessary for knowledge of the gospel. So apart from the gospel... Uh, or excuse me apart from the bible we can't know the gospel romans 10 13 through 17 says for everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So if we want to know the gospel, if we want to have knowledge of the gospel, we need uh, the Bible. I've said often, maybe not on this podcast, but that the overarching message of the Bible is 
the gospel. So if we if we want to know the gospel, if we want to understand the gospel better, then we we need to um, give ourselves to the Bible, and we need to ask ourselves as we're studying the Bible, how does this particular portion of the Bible uh, relate to the gospel, or help me understand the gospel? And this can be challenging, especially when we get to uh, the New or the Old Testament. Because uh, it's not always as clear, but once again, if if we pray and we ask for the Holy Spirit's help, when we ask these questions and we search for answers, He will help us. So the Bible first is necessary for knowledge of the gospel. Then, as Christians in our Christian life, the Bible is necessary for maintaining a spiritual life. Jesus said in Matthew. For for man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we live our lives based on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. First Peter two two says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. And if you look at the context there, he's clearly talking about the word of God. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been uh, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The gla- grass withers, in the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So we've got two references there that this is talking about God's word. And then he closes out that chapter. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So that in our Christian walk, we need God's word to maintain our spiritual life. And then you see, once again, this word is the good news, the gospel that was preached uh, to you. So in the Bible, we gain knowledge of the gospel and then last the bible is necessary for certainty of god's will the bible is necessary for certainty in knowing god's will uh, grudem writes if there were no written word of god we could not gain certainty about god's will through other means such as conscience advice from others an internal witness for the holy spirit changed circumstances and the use of sanctified reasoning if you want to know God's will, get in Scripture. Simple as that. You'll see statements such as this one from Paul. This is the will of uh, this is God's will for your life, your sanctification. So, if you, God's will for your life is your sanctification, Christian. So everything that you go through is meant to sanctify you. There you go. This is God's will for your life, your sanctification. The last two parts of the definition, we won't take too much time on that, is just that the Bible is not necessary to know that God exists and to know something about God's character and moral laws. If you're interested more in that, I would just encourage you and suggest that you uh, look at uh, Romans 1, Psalm 19, uh, two good starting places for that, because by looking at nature, we can see uh, that God exists, and Romans 1 teaches us that through nature we see his divine attributes and his um, eternity uh, so the problem we have once again is moral it's not that we uh, don't see it we see it and 
we suppress it. So uh, scripture, uh, the four characteristics, three we've looked at so far, authority, clarity, and necessity. And the last one is sufficiency. The sufficiency of scripture. And the sufficiency of scripture from Grudem means that scripture contained all the words of God he intended for his people to have at each stage of redemptive history. This is where we're going to focus here, and that it now contains all the words of God we need for salvation, for trusting him perfectly, and for obeying him perfectly. The sufficiency of scripture, he says, reminds us that God considers what he has told us in the Bible to be enough for us, and that we should rejoice in the great revelation that he has given us and to be content with it. This is probably the hardest one. Most of us will probably say, yes, the Bible has authority, and it has authority over my life. Most of us will agree that the Bible is clear. We can understand it when we seek God's help. We would say that the Bible is necessary. We probably agreed with those points we just looked at, that it's necessary for knowledge of the gospel. It's necessary to maintain our spiritual life. It's necessary uh, to know God's will. But the question we have to ask ourselves, and I have to ask myself, is do I really believe that the Bible is sufficient? It contains all the words of God we need for first salvation, for trusting him perfectly, and for obeying him perfectly. It's sufficient. If you listen to our episode on the gospel, we said that if we can trust God, with our biggest problem, which is sin, if we can trust him to remedy that, then we can trust him with anything. And we know that we can trust him with anything because that knowledge of the gospel is revealed in his word. But I have to ask myself, do I really believe the scripture is sufficient? Do I believe it's sufficient for the, the problems that I face in life? Do I believe... What Paul wrote once again in 2 Timothy, that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you want to be complete? Do you need God's word? Do you want to be equipped for every good work? You need God's word. It's sufficient for this. It is sufficient for the task, if you will. Whatever you have ahead of you, God's word is sufficient. When we talk about theology, it is so easy to try to turn theology into such a strict academic exercise that it becomes more about uh, what we think and how... Uh, logically tight we can make our theological arguments rather than just being faithful to what scripture has revealed in my life when i have a problem what do i run to first scripture or my pastor's advice Pastor's advice is great. 
but it's not scripture. Hopefully he's given you advice from scripture. But scripture is sufficient. It's sufficient. And this is a mindset. And it has to be a practice. We have to, when we are, before we get to our wit's end, we need to just come to scripture because it's sufficient. And when we do that, we're not going to get to our wit's end. Scripture is sufficient. It, it, it can help you with every problem that you face. Every problem. And since it is inerrant, we know that when we come to the Bible for help with our problems, we know that it's going to be true. It's going to be right. And it is sufficient. Let's close with uh, seven. Uh, Grudem gives seven applications. I'm not going to go in depth into any of them, but seven applications um, of the sufficiency of Scripture. And then we will uh, call it a deal, if that's all right uh, with you. I hope this has been helpful. I know reading through these again, these chapters again, have been very helpful to me and helped me see some blind spots in my own life, especially here with sufficiency. Um, it's so easy. I love to read. It's so easy just to run to another book and try to find the answer instead of running to the book, the Bible, to try to find the answer. So seven practical steps, practical applications about the sufficiency of Scripture. Number one, the sufficiency of Scripture should encourage us as we try to discover what God would have us to think about a particular doctrinal issue or to do in a particular situation. So the Bible is sufficient uh, to help us discover what God wants us to think and what God wants us to do. Number two, the sufficiency of Scripture reminds us that we are to add nothing to Scripture and that we are to consider no other writings of equal value to Scripture. This is where uh, you'll see the uh, uh, Mormons miss the boat on this one, adding the Book of Mormon. Number three, the sufficiency of Scripture also tells us that God does not require us to believe anything about himself or his redemptive work that is not found in Scripture. So if you hear something from another Christian, perhaps another pastor, even your pastor, if it's not in Scripture, you're under no obligation to believe it. Because what we have is sufficient. We don't need anything else. Number four, the sufficiency of Scripture shows us that no modern revelations from God are to be placed on an equal on a level equal to scripture in authority. Number 5. <clears throat> With regard to living the Christian life, the sufficiency of scripture reminds us that nothing is sin that is not forbidden by scripture either explicitly or by implication. So, the sufficiency of scripture really gives us freedom then. We don't have to do we don't have to call anything sin. Uh, we don't have to stop anything that Scripture doesn't tell us to stop. Number six, the sufficiency of Scripture also tells us that nothing is required of us by God that is not commanded in Scripture, either explicitly or by implication. That's just the reverse of the last one. And the last one here, the sufficiency of Scripture reminds us that in our doctrinal and ethical teaching, we should emphasize what Scripture emphasizes and be content with what God had told us 
has told us in Scripture. Be content. So that is what the Bible is. It's authoritative. It's clear. It's necessary. It's sufficient. Why then, Christian, do you need the Bible? Why do you need the Bible? Well, without the Bible, first off, if you don't give the Bible a place of primacy, if, it, if it's not first, then you have no confidence. You can't have confidence in your Christian faith. There's nothing to base your confidence on. If we don't give ourselves to the Bible, we can't know God. As God would have us to know him. True, we can find out some things about God from nature. But we're not going to have all that God would have us to know unless we get into scripture. So as you give yourself to scripture, ask the Holy Spirit for his help. And remember that scripture has the authority of God himself because it is God's very word. And that scripture is clear because God wants to be known so he has revealed himself in a way that he can be known and and understood understand how necessary the bible is for your life so that you might know the gospel that your spiritual life might be maintained that you might know god's will and understand that it's sufficient there's not a problem that you'll come up against that the bible can't handle and if you enjoy <clears throat> if you enjoy studying theology if you enjoy reading theology always remember that all of our theology must have scripture as our foundation apart from scripture we can have uh, no no theology the bible is not a theological textbook but it does give us theology it gives us theological knowledge so that we might know God. But let's not get so lost in theology that we forget the Bible. It can happen. Something I have to fight against. To just study theology and just never get to the Bible. But we need the Bible. It's necessary. It's sufficient. It's so clear. When we ask for help. And it's our authority. And we should praise God that we have the Bible. We should be humble before him that he has uh, revealed himself, that he has preserved his word, uh, that he has given us his Holy Spirit so that we might understand it. Uh, we should thank him and praise him that it's, uh, his revelation is, is clear so that he's not out to get us by revealing himself in a uh, muddy and unclear way. Um, the Bible is a treasure. It's a gift. We should use it as such. Well, until next time, you guys have a great week. And um, I hope this was helpful. If you have any questions or anything, always just uh, leave us a, a comment. Or you can even email us. It's theologyforyoupodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and until next time, we'll talk at you later.